In a world filled with big sports companies and high-end production podcasts comes a group of guys who paid five bucks for this intro. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Christian Brito. My name is Jeff. You can find me on Twitter at CBritoFantasy. You can find our show, more importantly, at Eat Sleep FF on Twitter. Joining me as always tonight is Mr. Dale DeMott. Go for Dale. Fuck you, Dale! Fuck you! What's up, man? Uh, welcome to episode 101. Fuck episode 100. We are celebrating episode 101 today. Straight Dalmatians up in this bitch. <laughs> also with us this evening is Mr. Armando Crespo. What's up, Armando? Armando Vacilan, Armando Rumba en la calle. Hi, guys. This is Armando. You can follow me at Thundercrespo on all formats. And that was creepier than our intro. Uh, also, are we gonna <laughs> are we gonna say anything about the intro? No, let's just let's just keep rolling with it. All right, move on. People are, people are used to our weird intros by now. You you were just questioning what our abandonment rate was, and uh, I think half the people that were going to listen aren't listening anymore because of dogs barking. To um, just like a, give you guys a like sneak peek behind the curtain, I guess uh, we're able to see. Uh, when people drop out of our episodes and people are pretty consistent they stick all the way through except for the muy importante it doesn't matter episodes we get it you guys don't like it we're gonna keep doing it <laughs> they people hate it is it because our listeners are racist <laughs> no, no one's gonna say anything okay no i'm not gonna say anything Anyways, uh, we've got a very action-packed episode today. Um, action-packed is not the right word, but we've got a very... No, 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 it is action-packed. How is it action-packed, Dale? Because we have a awesome interview from um, Scott Reynolds of The Pewter Report, which he gives like amazing uh, like industry or inside knowledge to Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they're doing in the offseason. He has some awesome stuff to go. Also, uh, Ross Tucker, the one and only Ross Tucker, joins us for the second time, our very first two-timer. Um, so we're definitely, that's action already. And on top of that, we're going to talk about news in a minute. I mean, we're talking about practice. Action-packed. Yep. And Armando's here. Yes. What's up, guys? <laughs> he so. just creepily. So without uh, any further ado, let's have uh, Armando Start doing the news. All right. So the first... Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to put in the drop. No, no, that wasn't the drop. I got the drop. Okay. So the first piece of news is they're saying Jamal Charles is ahead of schedule right now. If the season started today and they say they're going to split work 50-50, are you taking Jamal Charles or CJ Anderson? Uh, oh, Brito. I'm taking CJ Anderson because they're not going to split the works 50-50. It's just not going to happen. Um, Look. Go ahead, Dale. We, You've seen I was going to say, we, we, I mean, we talked about this, uh, you know, before. I mean, we even if Jamal Charles doesn't split fifty-fifty, Jamal Charles can still be valuable with limited role, right? Um, and if he is the guy that he was that we're used to seeing from a couple of years ago, he's going to be fine splitting the workload 
30-70. And I think C.J. Anderson is a solid RB2 this year. Okay, thank you. That's yeah, pretty much what I, I needed to say. Yeah, I agree with you guys. As long as he gets about 15 touches a game, like you guys said, I think Jamal Charles will be just fine and probably more valuable. Um, the next piece of news I want to bring up is Andrew Luck is still not um, throwing the ball. When are we going to start getting worried about this? In a few weeks, I'll start getting worried. Yeah, uh, a month. <laughs> yeah, if it's I mean, if he's if it's the end of July and he's you know just starting to progress out of his injury and rehab program, I'll be a little worried. Like he's he seems like he's behind schedule. Yeah, and if he's not throwing in a month, are you guys going to start dropping T.Y. Uh, T. Hill in a little bit, Dante Moncrief, or are you just going to hold fast with them? I think you have to knock them both a little bit, and I'm, I'm yeah. pretty high on Hilton. I think Hilton's due to repeat very similar production, but if, if Andrew Luck's not there, it's it's a completely different story. Look, I mean, reading the rumblings around camp, it doesn't seem like anybody's too concerned about this. Until, you know, the panic meter starts raising a little bit, I won't. You know, just keep an eye on it is what I'd tell our listeners and um, doesn't look like anything serious. Right. All right. Um, and Carlos Williams is suspended for a year. Um, is this anything does this matter at all? No, it does. This is our news. This is what we're relegated to football. <laughs> Come back, please. You're taking too long. We're talking about Carlos okay. Williams again. OK, well, Carlos Williams just put a huge uh, um, halt on this podcast really quick. I want to say. Um, you guys can go to our website, eatsleepfantasy.com. Uh, we have all the articles. Uh, I think next episode, Phil and I are going to talk a lot about Willie Sneed. Uh, we did a love and hate article on him. Um, so we get kind of two point of views. I think that was really interesting. Also, if you listen to our mock draft episode, uh, that was episode 100. Um, if you listen to that, uh, our writer, Mike is, uh, has written up a, I guess you would call it like a follow-up to that draft, and he gives a little additional analysis to our picks, uh, including a link to the Jack Doyle fan uh, fan club. Oh, so man. listen to that. You can also shop on there. You can get our T-shirts. Uh, you'd definitely be helping out, us out and supporting us a little bit um, if you order a T-shirt. And there's a little donate button. And which... our abandonment rate just skyrocketed. This <laughs> how many how many clubs do you think Jack Doyle was in in high school? I say what I put the over under at four. Uh, that's pretty solid. I'd take the over, right? Because you're, for, you're you're forgetting about the um, that yeah the he has he's definitely in the chess club. Hundred percent in the chess club. Speaking of which, I was yeah. in the chess club, so that's how I know. Um, yeah, he's he's probably oh he's probably in the woodworking club, right? Latin. You think he was in the Latin club? Just for fun. Just and for fun. Old English, <laughs> right? He's in at least two language clubs. Oh, and a calligraphy club. Mm, calligraphy. <laughs> That's right. about it, right? I got, I got a couple more pieces of news. Hold on. Last piece of news. Last piece of news. Jack Doyle, uh, he's been collecting stamps. Um, <laughs> okay, that's All it. Right. That's the Let's news. All right. I got just two more pieces. Uh, Latavius Murray's entering the season as a starter right now. Are you buying into that yet? No. But I – yes. He's, he's a starter. I mean, he, he will be a starter to begin the season. That's, is there any question to that? The Vikings are going to be frustrated. I, frustrating as hell with their running back position. I think Dalvin yeah. Cook is the better guy, and I've been saying it all offseason. I don't like where he landed because they're going to give Latavius Murray the first crack for whatever damn yeah. reason. Yeah, they will, and he's going to be the starter to begin the season. I don't think there's any question about that. It's just how soon 
how bad will he suck? And then how bad will the Vikings O-line suck to give Dalvin Cook the job? Who's going to suck because of just the team? Dalvin Cook's not going to suck. It's just they're going to eat into each other, and they're not going to be as productive as they could have been. It's just going to be annoying. You're never going to be happy. Yeah. Where do you guys have him ranked, by the way, Brito, at least? Off the top of my head, Latavius Murray. I'd say yeah. He's probably an RB3 off the top of my head. I can give you that in just a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, that's where I have him ranked. I don't even know if I have Dalvin Cook ranked at all. Um, what? You need to. You need to. I know. I, he's probably like ranked 40 for me. Um, well, you guys look that up. Michael Floyd is still with the Vikings even after his whole alcoholism with kombucha thing. Um, <laughs> and the last piece of news I want to bring up is Eddie Lacy's still losing weight. They're saying Thomas Rawls is going to start eating into it. Where do you guys see him? Uh, Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls going into week one. And then we'll talk about week 16. Who do you think is going to be the start of the end of the season? Uh, just to follow up, we have Latavius Murray, 30, 31, and 32. Cool. Works for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I see uh, – I mean, I think Brito and I both have Lacy ahead of Rawls. We talked about this earlier today. Um, so there's no question about that. Again, it's – how how good is Lacey going to be with the worst it's, offensive line in the NFL? The worst? The worst. Literally ranked the worst. According to? Uh, pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus. <laughs> Armando has... Never mind. <laughs> Brito, are you still there? Did you hang up on us? I'm here, man. Just go ahead. No, I, I just think... Uh, yeah, I just think there's going to be a bad offensive line. They're both going to be useless. I just want to hear what you think. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be useless. I think Eddie Lacy is useful. Yeah, I'd say Lacy is useful, and I don't think uh, Rawls is at all. We've seen them have a bad offensive line and good running backs before. Yeah, our For consensus on Eddie Lacy. Consensus on Eddie Lacy is number nineteen among running backs, just <laughs> just behind Ty Montgomery and Mark Ingram. I'm definitely dropping. Lacey. I'd I'd rather have Lacy over both of those guys. Okay. Okay, do you guys care about the quarterback situation in Denver? Paxton Lynch is closing the gap on Simeon. Simeon? Simeon, yeah. Simeon. Uh, <laughs> they liked Paxton Lynch last year uh, preseason. Well, they drafted him. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, I mean, they liked him for the season. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. It's only going to be Lynch's job if Simeon sucks for the first half of the year. Fair enough. And that will do it for our news today. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> this is what happens um, in June, okay? This is what happens in June. <laughs> uh, so up next, let's go ahead and play the um, the uh, Scott Reynolds interview. It was really interesting. Uh, let's listen to that, and uh, and then, Breed, I want to hear your reaction to it after. All right. On the phone with us now is Scott Reynolds uh, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's with the Pewter Report and uh, pewterreport.com. If you guys need to know pretty much anything about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, go to that site. They pretty much cover everything. Uh, you can get. Um, you can also follow Scott on Twitter at Pewter Report. He's a good follow. Scott, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, how are you doing? Hey, my pleasure, Dale. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll just jump right into it. You know, talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, jump right into the quarterback position. Uh, Jameis Winston, um, you know, coming into his third season now, you know, we've seen him pretty much be the same guy over the last two seasons, you know, averaging just over 300 completions, 4,000 yards, and so on. Uh, what, how, what's your feeling on him this year? Is he going to make the jump uh, to that next tier level of quarterbacks, or do we kind of already know what kind of guy Jameis Winston is? Well, he's shown tremendous accuracy during uh, the mini camps, and you know the, the one thing that 
it's really hard to gauge in many camps is, is offensive, defensive line play, the running game, that kind of stuff, because really what the OTAs and mini camps are, it's like flag football. Really, right. it's just it's a passing game clinic for the off season uh, leading up to training camp. But, but the one thing that you can gauge is, um, although the, there's no live pass rush, you can gauge accuracy. It looks like Winston has become more of a pinpoint passer. Um, that's one thing that really stood out to me, and I think that's going to be indicative of his jump statistically in the third season. I've been doing a study. Of some of the, the better quarterbacks in this league's history, uh, guys that, that I think have some similar traits to Winston, um, whether it be a first overall draft pick like Troy Aikman or um, a gunslinger type like Brett Favre, a prolific passer like Drew Brees, um, you know, and maybe more recently Joe Flacco, a strong-armed passer, and maybe even Matt Ryan. Those are five guys I kind of look at as, you know, James Winston has parts of their games in there, and the interesting thing about all five of those guys, aside from appearing in the Super Bowl, um, all of them winning the Super Bowl, with the exception of Matt Ryan from last year, sure. is that Winston, like those guys, I think is poised to make a jump statistically in his third year. Um, those players started early in their careers and had two pretty decent seasons. Uh, Aikman was a little rough, obviously in '89 when he, uh, I believe, played for a one-win Dallas Cowboys football team that year as a rookie. Right. But the thing about Winston is is he, um, I, I think that you've seen the completion percentage rise from 58 to 60%. I think it's going to approach 62% this year. But okay. the biggest thing when you look at all five of those quarterbacks, plus Winston, is a drop in interception. The touchdowns either stay the same or go up, and the interceptions go down. I think that's what's going to happen for Winston to and Buccaneers to take a leap to the next level is is reducing the turnovers. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if you know, as fa- as far as fantasy football is concerned, you know, we've the, I think the biggest knock on Jameis is his interception rate, um, eighteen last year. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I hope his accuracy gets better. And if so, I mean, as far as fantasy football goes, you know, his his value is going to skyrocket if he can control those interceptions. You know, Scott, I wanted to ask you. Um, there's a guy on the team that's been an enigma for all the years since he's been drafted, and that's Doug Martin. Uh, you don't know if you're going to get 1,400-yard Doug Martin or 400-yard Doug Martin, depending yeah. on the year. Uh, this year he's going to be serving a suspension coming back in week four. We saw last year they tried to get other running backs involved, Charles Sims, Jacquez Rogers, once those two guys get uh, got injured. What do you see for Doug Martin this year? Because I know some reports have been good. What are you expecting for him? Is it, is it going to be the 2015 Doug Martin or the 2016 Doug Martin? I think he has the chance to be the 2015 Doug Martin from a fantasy, fantasy perspective. The difficulty is you know he's going to be out for those first three games. So you're going to have to have another running back in there to really carry the load. And you know, how effective is Doug going to be after sitting out nearly a month, um, you know, that – that's that's one caveat that neither the team nor Doug knows how he's going to react to that. But, um, you know, there was something last year after he got his contract, you just didn't see that burst that he had in the 2005 training camp and even the mini camp when he was in a contract year. And for whatever reason, he got the, the money, and I don't know if it was complacency, or he just kind of relaxed. I'm not sure what it was, but 
there was something going on before the start of the season to where in the mini camps and training camp in the preseason, you just didn't see that burst, that extra effort, that determination to break tackles and break off big runs. And, uh, and then, of course, having a hamstring injury week two didn't help. That really hampered his production. But more importantly, he just didn't seem like the back that he was in 2015 last offseason. But this offseason, he looks better than the 2015 back. Nice. In 2015, wow. he was in a contract year. And this year, without the guaranteed money anymore, because of his suspension, that voided the, the, the guaranteed years uh, in his contract in terms of the guaranteed money. Uh, he is essentially playing on a one-year deal this year. And I think that he has really um, woken up and is in tremendous shape, and I think that he is approaching it like a contract year. Because if Doug Martin does have another sub-500 yard season, he's gone. And I think he knows that, and the Buccaneers know that. And I think that he wants to remain a Buccaneer. He's had some success in Dirk Cutter's offense, for sure. And all indications are that he is ready for a monster season. The only thing that's going to prevent that is being out those three games. I think that Doug Martin was capable of having another 14-yard season this year. But I think that the three-game suspension is going to limit him to about a thousand, or maybe eleven hundred yards. Right, right. And during those three games, who do you uh, who do you expect to get the benefit benefit of that, or is it really going to be split amongst the other guys there? It's going to be split. I mean, in the passing game, it's going to be Charles Sims. On first and second down, it's more likely going to be Jacquez Rogers, the veteran. Peyton Barber's opened up smiles. He was an undrafted free agent last year that uh, the team really likes. And he's a bigger back, so I would I'd expect down by the goal line in those first three games especially, you're going to see more Peyton Barber. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jacquez Rogers ends up with 100 yards at the end of the game in those first three outings of the year. But Peyton Barber might score three or four touchdowns over that three-game span just because he is the big banger down there by the goal line. So I, I think from a fantasy standpoint, boy, it's going to be really hard to pinpoint who the Buccaneer point producer is going to be at the running back position. Is it going to be Charles Sims in the passing game or Chakras Rogers on the ground or Peyton Barber near the end zone? Um, I think the safe bet would be to try to steal Doug Martin in your fantasy football draft in the middle rounds and then be prepared to start him in week four when he returns to Tampa Bay. Nice, nice. Good advice. Thanks a lot. Um, I guess I'm, my next question really is, uh, you probably get tons of questions from fantasy football players on what's going to happen with Mike Evans with the signing of uh, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, you know, Mike Evans had 171 targets, which is just ridiculous. I mean, he could probably be super effective wide receiver with, you know, 130 or, you know, 120. Um, what are you expecting out of this wide receiver core? And, you know, is it is Deshaun Jackson going to rip into uh, Mike Evans' Uh, target share load very much, or how do you expect it playing out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at at uh, Deshaun Jackson, he's going to get his his you know catches. I mean, they're not going to pay a guy that much money and then not throw him the ball. Exactly. But what I think it's going to do for Mike Evans is it's going to create more one on one opportunities because when Vincent Jackson went down early in the season, right before the bye week, when when Mike Evans returned after the bye, he was productive. Um, but they really had to pick and kind of choose their times to connect because Evan Dick based so much double coverage. A lot of bracket coverage, safety over the top, linebacker or cornerback underneath the zone, 
and that, that really, I think, hampered his production in some of the games. Now, you know, there were times where if you played man coverage like the Falcons did, he led uh, Atlanta for 150 yards and a couple touchdowns on Thursday Night Football. So he's capable of some damage in one-on-one situations, and I think that's what, what Deshaun Jackson brings to this offense is it really prevents teams from doubling Mike Evans as much as they might want. They're going to have to pick and choose that because if you do double Mike, you're essentially freeing up Deshaun Jackson to be in a one-on-one foot race sure. with uh, another defensive back. Yeah. And he will make you pay either deep or he'll catch it short and outrace you and turn a, you know, a 12-yard slant into uh, a 72-yard touchdown. So that's the component that, that Deshaun Jackson brings. I wouldn't be surprised because I think this is the top receiver duo probably in, in the NFC and maybe even in the NFL. But when you get down to the red zone, it's six foot five Mike Evans time. I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun Jackson has ten touchdowns this year and Mike Evans repeats with twelve touchdowns. I really could see both those guys eclipsing a thousand yards and um, and really, you know, lighting it up for James Woods. Wow. Wow, okay. That's uh I mean it makes complete sense and, and I, I hope I hope that uh for sure. Um moving on to the tight end position, uh Cameron Bright, uh O. J. Howard Everybody was really high on O.J. Howard being drafted. It seems like he's more of a uh, blocker, at least for right now. Uh, do you see him, do you see O.J. being a threat uh, at all to Cameron Brait later in the season? It doesn't look like he's, you know, Brait will still be the pass catcher, it looks like, at least to start the season. Is O.J. Uh, Howard going to uh, going to be a threat to him at all? Well, I really think that depends on, on how O.J. Howard develops. Going into training camp, it's Cameron Braid's job to lose in sure. terms of being that number one tight end. Uh, the chemistry between Jameis Winston and Cameron Braid is so strong. It's actually stronger than it is with Mike Evans. Wow. Uh, you could see it in the mini camps when, when Jameis Winston, when the play was breaking down, he didn't look to 13, he looked to 84. He looked to the tight end. And the thing with, with Cameron Braid is, and I'm not saying that Mike Evans is not always in the spot where he needs to be, and that he doesn't make the catch all the time. But Cameron Brait is in the spot where he needs to be and does make the catch every time. And it's not that, that there is uh, a huge favoritism over Cameron Brait, uh, or I should say for Cameron Brait over Mike Evans. It's a slight favoritism, sure. but it's noticeable. And I think that, that uh, the chemistry between those two guys is the tops in Tampa Bay. And then I think on the second level, it's Mike Evans and Adam Humphreys uh, equally with Jameis Winston. I think the third spot is Deshaun Jackson, Jameis Winston, just because that's a newer combination. But right. Cameron Brait, uh, you know, had eight touchdowns last year. I could totally see him replicate those numbers. And the beauty of it is, is because he still is an under-the-radar type guy. He didn't make the Pro Bowl last year. Um, I don't think the teams are going to take him lightly, but I don't think teams are going to be too worried about Cameron Bray. Right. And the ideal situation that you're going to see an awful lot of in Tampa Bay is 12 personnel, which is one running back, which would be Doug Martin, two tight ends, which is Cam Bray and O.J. Howard, and two mm-hmm. wide receivers, Mike Evans to Sean Jackson. Wow. That five-offensive you know, uh, offensive weapon really right there with Winston, you know, pulling the uh, uh, the controls of the weapons, sure, uh, is just dangerous. Yes, <laughs> I mean you don't know if, if you're down there at the 15 yard line, who's going to get the ball. Right. It, it could be a running play because they're in double tight. Uh, it could be 
you know, either Howard or Bray work in the scene. It, it could be a jump ball fade to uh, to Evans, or it could be a, a wide receiver screen or a slant, you know, to Sean Jackson. But um, the scoring potential now in Tampa Bay, with the addition of Howard, who has shown in those national championship games that that he can absolutely get open. The guy's got 4.51 speed in the 40-yard dash. Yeah, he is a threat. But right now, and so it's it's OJ Howard running with the second team, and Cam Brate as the starting tight end in Tampa Bay. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I think. Uh, do, do you see the? Do you feel the buzz in the air for the Bucks fans finally in Tampa Bay? I can imagine that. Uh, you know, this is like. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, they waited. They've waited so long since their last run. Um, so yeah, I definitely. Uh, I, I can kind of sense it just reading yeah, I, these I mean, blogs I, and stuff. I, I think when you look at, at the fact that they finished nine and seven, and they swept the Carolina Panthers last year. Um, and, and the fact that, that they added, you know, a really high profile, uh, offensive weapon like Deshaun Jackson. I think their defense is going to be, be better in year two with Mike Smith at the helm. Sure. And then drafting OJ Howard. And, and the real sleeper to watch is Chris Godwin, the third round pick. He's going to get some playing time too. There's going to be some times when, when they're going to want to be a little bit more dynamic and add a little bit more size. And Adam Humphreys, who will be the starting slot receiver, will head to the sidelines. And right. they'll put Chris Godwin from Penn State out there uh, at one of the wide receiver positions, and they're either going to move Deshaun Jackson inside to the slot uh, to really match him up favorably against the nickel corner, or if they want to go size over speed, they'll move Mike Evans to the slot where he operated a little bit last year, and they'll try to create a mismatch that way with Deshaun Jackson on one side and Chris Godwin on the other. So there's a lot of things that Dirk Cutter can do to really, you know, cause defensive coordinators to get a case of heartburn uh, before the game and certainly during it. And uh, Chris Godwin is a guy that has really, really, really impressed in the the OTAs and minicamps. And, of course, the question is then is where is he on the pecking order? Well, right now he probably would be five in the passing game, if not six behind Charles Sims. But you could see as a rookie – you know, Charles Godwin getting maybe four or five touchdowns as a sleeper wide receiver. Sure. Wow. Okay. Right. All right. Um, so for our listeners that want to follow Scott Reynolds, they can do so at the pewter, at pewter report on Twitter. One last question for you, Scott, before you go rank the Reynolds. Okay. All right. You got a quick game for you. <laughs> rank the Reynolds, okay. Burt Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, Debbie Reynolds, Reynolds rap. Wow, okay, I would probably go Ryan Reynolds number one because I'm a huge Deadpool fan. Nice. Okay, okay, so uh, I would I would put him as a, as a Marvel enthusiast, he'd be number one. Reynolds route number two because I grill it an awful lot and I have to use Reynolds wrap it's imperative. Uh, to wrap the meat and uh, keep it warm, bring it to the table. I would say Burt Reynolds number three, Snokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Run, all those classic movies. Sure. And then probably Debbie Reynolds after that. <laughs> nice. Thanks for humoring you, us. You would be a professional at fantasy football ranking because <laughs> that's exactly how you rank a list right there. There all you right. go. Scott, thank you so much for your time. Um, you can, again, follow Scott at Pewter Report on Twitter. Anything else you want to say before we hang up? I appreciate the time, guys. The Buccaneers are finally going to be a fun offensive team to watch. I know Mike Evans has really been a star. Yeah. over the last couple of years from the fantasy standpoint, especially with those 12 touchdowns last year and also as a rookie. 
But, um, you know, Jameis Winston, really, really keep an eye on him as an early quarterback selection because this guy, he's dangerous running the ball in the red zone, too. He's not afraid to do that. But I would, I would say that his touchdown numbers are going to swell over 30 this year. And, um, and you, can, you can pretty much pencil him in for another 4,000-yard season the way Derek Cutter likes to throw the ball. Sure. Yeah. You. Absolutely. I mean, you. You have me so long, and I have a ton of Tampa Bay Buccaneers on my fantasy team now. So, <laughs> all, right, all right, Scott. Again, we appreciate. Hold on, great. <laughs> Thanks, man. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, goodbye. Bye. All right, and we're back. We are. Uh, so uh, obviously, he was pretty much high on every Tampa Bay Buccaneer <laughs> there was. He really liked, uh, like he said, you know, really liked Doug Martin. He thinks he looks really good. Uh, my number one question, first of all, is Jameis Winston's situation. He's starting to get a little hype, and people, I think, are liking him more and more. Uh, your thoughts on Jameis Winston? I think Jameis Winston has a top 12 quarterback potential, but I wouldn't get overly excited about him. I, there's just a lot of guys. Um, there's, I, he has He's going to end up somewhere in that 12 to 15 range at the end of the year. I think he's going to have a good season, and that's pretty much what you're going to draft him at, and you'll be pleasantly... You know, I'm surprised or happy or whatever, content with where you're going to get Winston at, and he'll have a solid season. Um, yeah. What I took away from that interview is that I'm going to keep uh, rising more and more on Cameron Brait this year. And oh, yeah. I love him. We need to um, let the community know to stay away from O.J. Howard. Yep. There are two, yeah, two big takeaways. O.J. Howard's not going to be the superstar that people were hoping pre-draft, you know, when they were talking about O.J. Howard. Uh, camera, it's Cameron Brate's job, and for this obvious, year, yeah, yeah, exactly for this year. Um, and Jameis Winston likes him. Um, mentioned the twelve to fifteen range for Winston. I have him at twelve. Brito, you have him at fifteen. Armando has him at sixteen. Um, I think Armando, you agree that after listening to this interview, that you maybe bump Jameis Winston up a little bit. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have him inside my top twelve for sure. I love the addition of Deshaun Jackson and um, two tight ends is always helpful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then he, again, he mentioned Doug uh, Doug Martin. Of course, missing the first three games of the season, but looking good. He was there. Uh, Scott was, you know, in the beginning of the season when Doug Martin had his awesome year two years ago and thought he looked even better than that. So um, that's pretty encouraging. I'm kind of buying in Doug Martin. Not too early, obviously. He's missing three games out of the season, but he could be a nice value to people that are forgetting about him. Right. He's Doug Martin is the perfect, if you're rolling the dice on a player, you need somebody to hit big or... You know, you think somebody might either hit big or bust. Doug Martin is that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You got anything else on the Bucks? I don't know. I was just looking at our rankings. We're both all over the place. I have uh, Deshaun Jackson ranked 23, and you have him ranked 37, Burrito. I was just wondering, I mean, after hearing the interview, are you going to bump him up or down a bit? I, I, don't, I just don't think it's Deshaun Jackson's team. I think it's Mike Evans followed by Cameron Braid. I, I don't love uh, Deshaun Jackson on this team, to be honest. I think he is that uh, best the fourth option. Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that's fair. I think, I mean, and two, you got to remember, these beat writers love their teams, right? <laughs> and uh, he was really high on everybody on the offense. And right. he's, if, if you follow him at Peter Report, um, he's pretty, he likes the, the defense as well. So um, you got to right. kind of take it with the hold the reins yeah. a little yeah exactly exactly and i mean rightfully so he's around that team all the time he knows what's working and if he sees it working then he's going to report on that which is fine um but as a fantasy player you got to kind of hold back your expectations a little bit 
Okay. All right. Uh, so let's get, we're going to have, like I said, action packed. We're like bam, 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 right? Just um, like I did get, with your mom. Oh, Damn. let's get into this Ross Tucker interview. Um, Ross, again, our first two timer, super, super awesome. He's a, like really busy. He has a ton going on. And uh, last year he made time for us. And this year, I mean, without a question, I mean, he jumped out that opportunity to talk to us again, which is awesome. So uh, let's just get right into that. On the show with us now is an entrepreneur, a podcast, a speaker. You can find him on several podcasts and media outlets throughout the country, including my favorites, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and, of course, Fantasy Feast. Um, he's probably the hardest working man in the industry. Uh, Ross Tucker is joining us. Ross, thanks again. And how are you doing? Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm doing awesome. And please don't ever introduce me as the hardest working guy ever again. I talk about football. <laughs> I talk about football wearing flip flops and mesh shorts for a living. I know what hard work was like when I was a uh, a grunt offensive lineman. And that, that wasn't even really work. That was still fun. But I, I know what harder work was like. I, I'm not the uh, I'm not the hardest working anything. I'm I feel like I'm the biggest scam artist going right now. The fact that I'm 38 years old and I still haven't had a real job, and it's looking like I'm going to make it at least till 40 without having to get one. Hopefully, we can keep this going as long as possible. There you go. I mean, I, you Google your name, and you have like three or four Google page uh, search results of all different things that you do. So um, definitely staying busy. Uh, well, it's pro- it's pro- pro- probably because some of my fr- two of my fraternity brothers were two of the top, uh, the first 100 people at Google. Okay. If, uh, <laughs> if you can believe that. So. I don't. They don't even. They don't even answer my calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have real jobs. They they're too busy. <laughs> no, no. They, they they. I think they're they're like retired from life. Of course. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, un- of course. Un- absolutely unbelievable. But yeah, thanks for having me on. You guys are doing a great job with this podcast. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, and, and I do want to point out that you are officially the first two timer to join our podcast. Uh, last year, you you came on early. You know, and uh, when we didn't have much following, and uh, you know, we appreciate that. So congratulations on being the first two timer we had a medal or something to give you uh you definitely send it your way but we don't so sorry i'll take it well right, <laughs> instead of a medal just everybody send uh send your 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 podcast subscriptions to ross tucker football podcast and the fantasy feast if you like if you like this one hopefully you'll like those as well so for sure for sure hold, hold the applause hold the applause just throw subscriptions <laughs> there you go <laughs> sounds good hey ross this is uh christian joining now um i just kind of want to jump into it because it's awesome to have somebody that has the insight, a little bit of the actual workings of an offensive line. And a lot of our questions and things play into what is going on with the offensive line, particularly when it comes to running backs and the quarterback position. Um, so I kind of want to jump right into a specific offensive line in the Eagles. Um, Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the number one offensive line in the league for this upcoming year, which is very interesting to me now that they added Alshon Jeffrey, LeGarrette Blunt. Um, what do you think having a offensive unit like that in terms of their line, um, what implications does it play for fantasy for the Eagles this year? Well, first of all, I think you guys are on the right track in terms of making sure that you know you know what kind of offensive lines these teams have i think that a lot of people in fantasy football don't put enough stock on it i mean it's significant look at some of the guys that put up the big numbers last year and then look at you know the cowboys offensive line the titans offensive line you know the the falcons offensive line i mean it 
the Raiders. It's it's not a coincidence. So I think you guys are doing the right thing. I saw PFF's rankings. Uh, always very interesting. I love their um, objective analytical approach. It surprised me um, just because I thought Jason Kelsey had a real up and down year last year at center, and they're not really settled at the left guard position. Now, this is also something that everybody has to decide how much they want to weight it. But what the Eagles do have along the offensive line is tremendous depth. Tremendous. Because of the injuries they had last year and the Lane Johnson suspension, they get a bunch of guys. You know, Stefan Wisniewski and Stayamalo, who might start at left guard, and uh, Big V, Vitae, uh, who might be the right tackle. They got a bunch of guys that played a lot of football for them. And why that's important is that last year, when Lane Johnson got suspended, they put in Vitae, and he ruined the whole game for them. I mean, that Redskins game, they had no chance because of how he played. This year, they should be in really, really good shape with pretty much any injury that they would suffer. Not, not that they would want Lane Johnson or Peters to get hurt, but whether you're playing daily fantasy or best ball or whatever, I think you can feel pretty confident that even if they suffer some injuries, they'll still be pretty darn good which is important. I mean, that, that's something that you want to know because if, you know, I, I used to say that the sixth guy is going to start probably six to 10 games and the seventh guy is probably going to start a few games as well. So you need to look at who those guys are if you really want to really want to dig deep into this and feel really good. I think that that's part of why PFF had him ranked like that. You said that uh, PFF surprised you a little bit. Who who do you think uh, should be number one? And also, who do you think should be higher up on the radar that isn't necessarily there? A good team in terms of run and pass blocking that maybe isn't on a lot of people's radars. Yeah, you know, so I, I would tell you that the first teams that come to mind for me in terms of being the best in the league right now, I would say let's start with the teams that made the conference championship games. You know, I, I mean, I, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from those four teams. They, they all did an awesome job. The Packers and the Falcons and the NFC and the AFC, the Steelers and the Patriots. So those are four that are all top 10. Certainly the Eagles are top 10 for me as well. And then the other ones that come to mind right away would be the Raiders. Uh, I, they're not, they might not be the best offensive line, but they're my favorite. Oh, man, do I? Because the Raiders are one of the only offensive lines out there that they are really trying to physically punish. I don't want to say injure, but let's just say hurt. Hurt and punish the opponent. And then the other one, which is really important for fantasy purposes, is the Titans. Because not only are they good guys, they're young. And, and they're only going to continue to get better. And so they're an offensive line that's up and coming. Because you want to look at it, too, and say, all right, which ones look like they're ascending and which ones looked like they could be descending. And like with the Eagles, you know, Peters had a good year last year, but Peters and Kelsey are on, are on the back end of their careers. That's not the case with a team like the Tennessee Titans or the Dallas Cowboys for that matter. They just have a little bit of uncertainty now at right tackle and left guard after Doug free retired and they moved Lyle Collins out to right tackle. I think they'll probably be fine, but you don't know until, until you see it. So I do want to I do want to touch on a couple of those teams that you just mentioned. Um, let's start with the Raiders because it seemed like Latavius Murray had 
a tremendous opportunity last year. The Raiders offensive line was uh, stout, to say the least. Um, and he was all right last year. He kind of squandered the opportunity a little bit. Um, do you think that coming in now with a guy like Lynch, what, how would he be able to function in that offense? Or do you think Latavius Murray did exactly what he could do in that offense last year? I don't think there's any question that Latavius Murray was disappointing last year because not only do they have probably the most physical offensive line and intimidating offensive line in the NFL, but they also had a lot of favorable fronts to run the ball into. I mean, if you look at it, because of Derek Carr's arm and because they had not one but two good receivers, they faced a lot of two deep safety looks. So they had a lot of very favorable run fronts to run into, and they still weren't able to do it. Now, the real positive for them is that Marshawn Lynch's style would seem to fit what they want to do perfectly. Like, like Marshawn Lynch with that offensive line is a match made in hand. When we saw him in 2015, he was beat up, didn't play particularly well. I think he spent all year last year like doing reality shows and flying all over the country. So your guess is as good as mine as to how productive he will be. But I do think his style along with this offensive line is perfect. And even like the video that Del Rio posted, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in OTA video necessarily, but it did look like he had some pep in his step and some juice. And I thought that was a good sign. Plus I think, you know, he cares about his legacy. He cares about Oakland. I think he probably wants to try to finish in a, in a really positive way for his hometown team. So he, he is going to be one of the most fascinating fantasy guys all year without question. He's uh, He seems like he's set up to me for this year to be ready to, uh, uh, how he put it, run through a motherfucker's face. Um, <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, he. that's that's a line that he used on a live interview. Um <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I didn't hear that. I, I need to hear that. <laughs> yeah, for all of our listeners that haven't uh, heard, it's it's probably one of my favorite interviews ever uh, because the interviewer was asking him if there's a, d- a deeper metaphor there. And he's like, no, just run through a motherfucker's face. And he, was, like, oh. he, was, he was so deadpan. And I got one uh, more serious by the way, question. By the way, that, that, that's exactly the guy you want as your running back, just so you know. Exactly. <laughs> I got one last serious question before I turn it over to Dale. Um, We saw Green Bay last year. They had kind of an interesting offensive line situation. And it seems like their pass blocking was pretty good, but their run blocking seemed to struggle. Is that a lot to do with just personnel, the coaching, the actual running back situation? Or does some of that fall on the offensive line and the their skills in terms of pass versus run blocking? All of the above. You know, I, I, I think it's a fair critique of Green Bay and their head coach, Mike McCarthy. It just seems like they are very focused on the passing game. And maybe you can say that about a lot of teams in the NFL. But, but it's tough to really be good running the football if you don't commit to it or, you know, put a heavy emphasis on it. And it just doesn't feel like they really do. And it never has. 
And so when they're picking offensive linemen like Bakhtiari, like, you know, Bulaga, they're definitely picking guys that are better at pass blocking than they are at run blocking. Um, that said, look, they had some major issues at the running back position as well and in a lot of different ways. That's something that's tough for them to fight through. Um, and I just don't think it's as much of a point of emphasis for that team. And when you have Aaron Rodgers, I guess I don't blame you. They did have some games where they did throw the ball, you know, run the ball really well. And I, I do think it's a situation like I talked about with Oakland where if Ty Montgomery takes the next step here in 2017, the opportunities are there because with their three receivers, he's going to get a lot of opportunities against very favorable run fronts. And that was one of the issues they had last year is teams were playing them with two deep safeties at times, and they still weren't able to run the ball effectively enough. It's tough to throw against that. You really need to run the defense out of those defenses when they've got two deep safeties because you've got a man for a man. They don't have the extra defender to be able to have a guy in every gap. You should be able to, if you're them, to be able to to run the ball better than they did. So they're betting on not only Montgomery, but how many running backs did they draft? Like seven or eight? Yeah. Um, so they're taking a lot. You know, I actually like that because if you think about it, you know, there's always a, a mid, you know, a, a mid or a mid range running back. A couple of them end up being successes. You're just not always entirely sure which one it is. Right. So I feel like. The, the Packers said, you know what, let's take three or four. One of these guys we have to hit on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm actually like Ty, Ty Montgomery a little bit more and more as the weeks go on in the offseason. Uh, he's just kind of slowly creeping up. Um, Ross, really quick before we end the show, um, we've done this with a couple of guests in the past. Um, we're going to play a fun little game. You know, we rate and you know rank everything all day. That's pretty much what we do. You know, just sit around and do this stuff just for fun. Being that you're the Ross Tucker we want to know uh, if you can rank the Rosses here. I have four Rosses. I uh, want to know what your rankings on these guys are. We have Rick Ross, <laughs> Diana Ross, Bob Ross, and Ross from Friends. R- Ross from Friends is last. Um, <laughs> his, his real name is David Schwimmer, but I despise that guy <laughs> because I, I, you know, I grew up and my parents named me Ross, and I thought it was kind of an awesome name because – there aren't a lot of Rosses out there, so no. it made me unique. I liked how it sounded. Ross Tucker, as Marshawn <laughs> Lynch would say, a badass mother, but uh, mother sucker. I'll yeah. say mother sucker. I won't use the f word in case my grandma listens to the podcast. Sure. Sure. Um, but a uh, a bad mother sucker. And then, like I'm 14 or 12 or 16 or whatever, however old I am, and for like 20 years, <laughs> the most popular show. Ross is a little whiny, a little whiny bitch. I could not take it. It was awful. So he's last. Um, Rick Ross is first. Okay, fair enough. Um, nice. Who was the other one? Who's Bob Ross? Bob Ross is a paint. He's a painter with the afro. The uh, oh, all Ross right. I'll go, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Rick Ross one. Diana Ross two. I don't. Uh, I don't do any. Homework, yard work, nothing. I, I just, I'd rather just host another show. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just uh, take a weekend shift and and then pay the guy to do it. So Bob, 
Bob Ross beats out uh, Ross from Friends just because Ross from Friends is such a dweeb. <laughs> Good. So <laughs> Rick, then Diana, then Bob, then the weasel. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, Ross Tucker. You can uh, get him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Again, uh, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast. Um, he has a few others too. I, I mean, just Google his name and um, you'll you'll spend probably an hour finding everything that he does. Uh, Ross, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, we love talking to you as always, and um, hope we cross paths again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. You too, Ross. Thanks, Thanks. Ross. Bye. And we're back. Okay. So um, that was a fun interview. <laughs> it really was. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> Dale, stop trying to replace me with Ross Tucker. I see what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's uh, Brito and Ross Tucker are uh, kind of interchangeable, right? Um, Is it? Is it because I'm fat? <laughs> Are you calling Ross Tucker fat? <laughs> well, he's an O-line. He's an ex-O-lineman. I mean, he's not Anyways. fat. He's, he's he's been working on his weight. He has a really nice figure. Google him. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I think that's about all we have for today. I'm Again, scared to type in Ross Tucker figure. Ross Tucker. Tucker. Body? Body. Let me just go to <laughs> images. I don't know if he wants us doing Let's this not do here. This. Again, you have... Uh, EatSleepFantasy.com as everything. Again, if you want to support us, um, Brito, you're going to hate me saying this, but there's a little donate button um, that if, look, you don't, I'm not asking for money. I'm just saying if you want to support us anywhere from a dollar to $10,000, just pay us PayPal. Um, it'll help out, it'll help out the podcast. This is basically, this is Dale right now. Hold on. This is Dale right now. He's like, well, I'm not asking you for money. But if you want in on the on the listener league, we take bribes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we are going to start the listener league. I think it's going to be an eighteen or sixteen team league. Um, we're not going to do the big forty eight teamer that we did last year. I think it's going to be sixteen team. Um, we're going to do something cool. Uh, me wait, and Dale, me and Dale were talking about doing a writers team and a podcast team, and then you know fourteen of our listeners in the same league as us. Yeah, never mind. Ross Tucker's not fat. I told you he looks good. Got that baby face. <laughs> um, so, anyways, we're gonna do the the listener league. That's gonna be fun. Um, you know, if you, yeah, we'll talk about the listener league later. Never mind. We'll give you the details probably sometime next week. Let's work it out. Um, but we have T-shirts. If you want to support us, you can buy a T-shirt, and that gives us like I think a dollar for every T-shirt we sell. So um, every every penny helps us um, because I want to go to Hawaii next year. Ross so. Tucker does look like the type of guy that might bully Jack Doyle, though, right? Oh. For sure. 100%. No, he, he has a friendly face, guys. Come on, don't put him in that place. Okay, sorry. He, he's a good guy. He'd back him up. <laughs> no, Ross Tucker definitely bullied Boy, his, Doyle. No, his fair share of uh, nerdy tight ends. Yeah. Anyways, all right. We will uh, end the episode with awkwardness and question um, for... <laughs> by the way... <laughs> my... What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before anybody goes, uh, my wife was listening to the episode, and every episode I end this, I end the episode with for Christian Brito, I'm Dale, blah blah. And she's like, "Why are you ending it for Christian Brito?" She said, "Like if you're like working for like ESPN, you would say for ESPN, I'm Dale." But I'm saying for Christian Brito, like you're like he like you're his bitch. Yeah, and is that is that I didn't catch up on I didn't pick up on that, but my my wife is basically saying that you're a bitch. Brito makes it look like I'm his bitch. Oh, I kind of, I didn't take it that way. I was understanding okay. like you're signing off for all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. Signing off for Brito. 
and Armand. Does, like does your wife think you're a bitch, though? Is that what she's implying? She's saying it kind of sounds like I am. I can see that. <laughs> Signing off for Christian Burrito and Armando Crespo, I am dead. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you.